I am unashamed. What about you? So welcome back to the Unashamed Podcast. Still got Jason, Virginia, Zach in North Carolina. We've um, we were talking about marriage in the last podcast in the overtime um, from Mark chapter ten is where we are in the text. If you're following along, and we sort of got into this thing also Matthew nineteen because you get a little bit more flavor uh, in the Matthew nineteen context. And Dad, you mentioned this before we came on back on air that in the Matthew nineteen version the disciples come to him and say, well, if this is a situation between a husband and wife, it's better not to marry. In other words, why would we even want to? Yeah, that's a way I'll get out of this. Which, by the way, that their response, and then I'll read you what Jesus told them, but their response is basically what the world has done now. In other words, to yeah. not have the trappings of marriage, they're like, well, yeah, just live together, have sex whenever you want to. But yeah. look, look at what that's produced. Yep. Not only in the world, but especially now in America, when you're going generations without marriage, when you but you got kids everywhere and nobody knows who, nobody's supervising. It's There's, out of control. I mean, you talk about unravel a society. Take take marriage out of the picture <laughs> and see and, what happens. And then Jesus's answer was: Some people have a difficulty with this, but those who how does he say it? Well, what he said was, he said, not everyone can accept this yeah, word, yeah. but only those to whom it has been given. For some are eunuchs, not married, because they were born that way. Yep. Uh, others were made that way by men. You know, that happened a lot, especially in this culture. Yep. And others have renounced marriage because of the kingdom of heaven. Those who can accept should accept. Apostle Paul was one. He, he said, was one that yeah. he, he described marriage. He said, "Those who marry will face many troubles in this life, right. and I want to spare you this." That's in the Corinthian letter. But he was a eunuch. Well, you think about it before you know, Paul, with family and children, and doing what he's doing, it'd be rough on. Well, before Paul, look at Jesus. Could Jesus have gotten married if he wanted to? Sure. sure, he was a man. Yep, but he had a task here. He had a he had to come and die for the sins of the world. For all of you and out not leave, there, leave behind a woman yeah. and children. For the ones out there who are listening, and they're thinking, "Well, what about me? I think there's something wrong with me because I, I don't know whether I'm going to get married or not." Right. Fine, no problem. You don't have to marry. You're That's good. Right. You're good yeah, to go. I, I, and I, I I think going back to what discussion we had in the overtime section, and for those who are subscribed. I apologize. I'm going to repeat myself a little bit. Again, the context here, the, the, you can't you're, you can't read this as like, okay, these are the new rules on and then fill in the blank. That's not what's happening here. This is a, we're getting a glimpse into a conversation between the Pharisees and Jesus, and they're attempting to trap him into this conversation so that they can it expose says him that or whatever. By the they way, they came to test him, to trap him. And they keep on, right? I mean, this is yeah. kind of the whole. I mean, the, all the gospels. It's like it's like the it's like one trap, or at least attempt after another to trap Jesus. And then it's like, okay, here's the trap, and then Jesus basically comes in and obliterates the trap because the trap is always built in a linear framework, meaning that it's built in a framework of they they've got their legal system, so they they can only think inside of this paradigm, which is why Jesus's answers always transcend their trappings because their trappings were built on an assumption that everything was illegal, like it's all legal. And Jesus is like, you're missing the point. So they're asking Jesus, you know, how, how does, how, did, how does this take place? Cause you seem to be in opposition with what Moses said, because in their minds, like they, they were using the law of Moses to get whatever the heck they wanted to get. They were basically saying, I'm going to, I'm going to leave my, the one I'm with cause, and I'm, cause I want another one, but I can't do that unless I gave her a certificate of divorce. And so Jesus is telling them, well, you're what you're essentially doing is committing adultery. Like that's what you're you're, you're trying to get around it, but you're not. You're doing the thing you're you because you're missing the point of what marriage is. And marriage, the it, we say it's an institution, and I I, I agree with that. But I, I think it's that 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 term to me diminishes it because it removes it. Marriage is more than just an institution. Marriage is bringing it's it's a reflection of the triune nature of God. It's bringing two different people together and they actually become one flesh. And so there's a, there's a, here's another word we can use that I'm probably going to blast for teleology, teleology. There's a, there's a, there's oh a design. There's a, there's a purpose, but there is. There's can a, there's you a, use a, it in a sentence? 
Yeah. So like the word, the word from eschatology to what are you looking at us? Teleology. Are there any alternate pronunciations? Tell us. That's another way we could say it. There's a there's a design. That's the way we could probably say it. There's a design to the union of marriage. And and if you, you even when it comes to sexuality and you think about it, like two these two people, they come together, they got a male and female, they come together, and there's a there's an apparent design here, and that there's an intimacy, a connection that starts between these two people. And at first it starts out as just kind of maybe a little emotional attraction. And it just it keeps growing and growing and growing to the point where there is a, a literally a physical union and, and a climax that results, a climax of that love that results in the very creation of life itself. And would so you, you start say, to, uh, would uh, you say, Zach, could you make an argument that I don't know when it started, the numbers started going up to when it finally reached more people now? get divorces than they used to. Well, probably in our history, in American history, I mean, what do you think in the past, say, 100 years ago? I mean, how prevalent was was divorce when when we have a divorce? How prevalent was it 100 years ago, and what's the difference now? Has it grown exponentially big, or am I dreaming here? I don't know. Well, in 1960, in 1960, the divorce rate was 24%. I was a... uh, 75% of all adults were married, and the people living together was 0.001%. Wow. Good night. You were 14, Dad. You were 14. So now it's... That's when I was 14. Yeah. The current divorce rate is somewhere between 50 and 60, there's only about a third of adults married and there's almost a third living together. Well, you know, and you know why I think one of the, so has uh, our current culture, have they been wise? How's that working for you? Yeah, I I think it's why it's one of the reasons why we're so miserable is because we have destroyed these family units and connections. And, and we, we tend to, I've heard this a lot and I'm, and honestly, I've been married for 22 years. I've even had this thought in my marriage. Oh no, I married the wrong person. And that's why I loved how you ended the last podcast, Chase. You should read that again. Let me read that again. Cause yeah, I mean, I think there was two things that I want to say and to one to expand on what Zach said before I read this quote is that it's not just a physical union. And I think Ephesians five proves that when when Jesus, the reason he wasn't married is he's eventually would marry the church, which is which is us, which I know makes people feel a little uncomfortable at times because it's we're talking about male and female and, but he also in Galatians three, we're a bride. (laughs) We're a bride. But he also in Galatians three said, said we're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Well, was he excluding women? No, he, he put them in sons because to Al's point, women didn't have the same rights and inheritance back in their day. So, he made us all a son, but he also called us sheep. So don't be bothered by that, you know, because that gets weird when you think about it. But then when he, he expanded on Galatians 3 and he goes on to say, for you're all one in Christ Jesus, we put on Christ. There's neither male nor female. So a lot of people try to read too much into that. But I think when you go to Ephesians 5, he clearly defines the role. And to me, the role is a mirror image of how God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit works together. I mean, I've always thought that. It's it's the same thing with a marriage. You have a male, a female, and Jesus all united, you know, God, his triune with that. And, and that's why he mirrors that image in Ephesians 5 with clearly defined roles. And there's something spectacular about those differences coming together that becomes an example to society as yeah, far as your kids it, are it, concerned. Yeah. Well, it's true. It's, it, it's so funny because the, the world wants to, t- to co-op this um, quest for diversity. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like that, that this all came, this is, this is a diversity originated 
in the very Godhead, because you have three diverse persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. But at the same time, you have unity. So, so in the Godhead, you have diversity and unity. You have a unity of diversity. And that's, the, that's why God is beautiful. That's his, ultimately his glory. And so marriage, to your point, is a reflection of, it's supposed to be, a reflection of that, that we can get a little taste of, oh, that's what intimacy is. Well, that's, well, that's, what, I, is. that's what I was going to say when you compare it to us being married to Jesus. Well, Jesus, he's just in the next paragraph, he's going to explain about someone wanting to come to him, the rich young ruler, and not giving everything. You, When you marry somebody, you give everything. It's not just the body, which is it is important because when you take that out of the context of which God designed marriage, I, I went through that. It's the fire in the fireplace is awesome. The sex in your marriage bed with your wife that you're going to live with the rest of your life, it's awesome. The fire in the you know in another room that would not with your wife burns your house down. I mean, it, it's that context matters, but it's also just to make an illustration. If you go out there and have sex with with a woman and and then don't you don't call her back or you don't that well what happens? Anger, rage, what what happened here? Cuz then all of a sudden you just took advantage of her and you know in her mind or you know you know I'm getting that when it's not in the marital context it it causes a myriad of problems, not to mention sexually diseases, but arguments and fights and strife. And because you were just, you, you're trying to eat the cake without, you know. That's get, why getting, uh, and, when you get to Titus, all these things, including marriages, they're not monitored close enough by the people of God. You must teach what is in accord. This is Titus 2 with sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith and love and endurance. Now, you say, what's this got to do with marriage? Likewise, teach the older women. First, you teach the older men. Then you teach the older women to be revered in the way they live, not to be slanderers. I know there's not any women out there that are slandering each other, but it's possible, evidently. That's uh, not, not, not addicted to much wine. They, you don't want that. But to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women. Here comes the, the future wives. And there's training sessions within the kingdom of God. You, you need to reach out to them and stay close to them and work with them to teach them to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled. All these things begin to make a lot of sense when you take away what's uh, self-controlled, teach what is good, be self-controlled and pure, the women to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands. Oh, yeah, that hurts, so that no one will malign the Word of God. Then he goes to encourage the young men. He's got older women, older men, younger women, and now younger men. Teach young men to be self-controlled and everything. Set them an example. That's on us to show them how to live, older men, and be an example by doing, simply put, what's good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness. They'll come... That's why we, we don't interact as the kingdom people as close as we are to. Soundness of speech that cannot be condemned. I just threw that in to say being married, it's good if people who are, in fact, living, following Jesus, the fruits coming forth, they have to take that to the young, the, the older ones first, then the younger ones. And it's a, it's a, it, you're building a, well, you're building a kingdom, and, and they st should stand out among men and uh, where the world will see that and say, hmm, I, I would like to have that peace of mind in marriage. Hang on, hang on. Let, let's, uh, let's take a break. Just a thought. So, Jace, uh, health insurance is one of those things you don't think about a lot 
until you need it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those deals, right? And I've unfortunately I've had some issues this last year, so I've went I've gone to the doctor way more than I want to, and I realized that health insurance is a real issue uh, in our system. And so we've got one of our new sponsors is a group called Crowd Health, and they've got a really cool idea. And Lisa and I are definitely going to try this. We haven't done it yet, but but now is the time because open enrollment is now. Um, you can see any doctor you want. There's no deductibles, no exclusions, no copay. You only pay the first $500 of any healthcare event, which is good because all these others have these scales and ranges and doctor networks. So you don't have any of that stuff. No high deductibles, no huge premiums. It basically makes it a community situation. You pay one low monthly amount and it funds your account. So you're sharing this across a community of other people. So if something happens to you, you got that $500. That's what you pay. So take charge of your health care today with Crowd Health. Open enrollment is the only time you can hit the eject button on the broken system without penalty, so don't wait. And for a limited time, join for just $99 per month for your first six months when you use the promo code UNASHAMED and you go to joincrowdhealth.com. That's J O I N, joincrowdhealth.com. Use the promo code UNASHAMED. Crowd Health is not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying for health care. Terms and conditions may apply. Well, I never read my quote. Can I read the quote? Sure you can. So people who get into marriage have unrealistic expectations because, you know, the me marriage, if you if you are trying to find the perfect person that won't change you, that fulfills you, that's good in bed, that's low maintenance, that's compatible, that's a soulmate, that's gorgeous, rich, and a Christian, well, that person's not out there. Because when you get married, there it's gonna. The bottom line is, marriage is hard. Things change, even things outside your control. People are self-centered, which means they're going to be sinful. You're going to bring out the worst in each other just because of the time spent around another human being. It that this is just the real facts about humanity, and we all know males and females are different. So just that difference is going to take some difficulty. And so besides all that, once you enter the marriage realm, you change just because of how big marriage is. So it's impossible. So I wrote a quote that's a little bit is exaggerating, but it makes the point of what I'm saying. And uh, this was from Stanley Howitz from Duke University. He said, there's an assumption out there in the world that there's always the perfect person just right that's out there for everyone to marry. If you, And all you got to do is look hard enough and you'll find him or her. This assumption overlooks a crucial aspect of marriage, which is, and this is a drum roll moment. We always marry the wrong person. We never know who we marry until we're married. We just think we do. So it's his point is, it's the idea. You have an idea of your mind. And then when the idea becomes reality, you say what? Uh Oh, and then it says, or even if you do marry the right person, give it a while and they will change. Our, our marriage uh, for marriage being as big as it is, as soon as you enter marriage, it changes you automatically. And so the guy I heard read that, he he then had an illustration, and, and him and his wife, I actually have listened to some of their speeches. You know, he'll get up and speak, and then, and then she will. And one of the illustrations he used, which was really funny, he said, people ask me all the time since they he's been married for I don't know how many years, a long time, and they've written books about marriage. So he's become like an authority on it. But uh, they said, well, do you have that same spark that when you first held her hand or, or gave her a kiss when you were dating? How do you have that same spark? And he went, heck no. He said, I don't have that. <laughs> he said, and here's why. He said, because I realized that that spark that I had when she first held my hand, he said, that was all my ego. I was just so happy that someone else on this planet thought I was cool. 
<laughs> Which is he said, good. but now it's not a spark. He said, now when I hold my wife's hand and they're older in years and he's been diagnosed with cancer and they've had all these problems, you know, life is difficult. He said, I know that I'm holding the hand of a person who's seen me at my worst, but has decided to love me no matter what. And no matter what happens, whatever life throws at us, we're going to get through this together. It's become us. It's no longer me. And he said, with that is a freedom that I can be myself, even, even at my worst. And he said, you can't draw that up out in the world. You're not going to find that any other place in the world. It was really, really moving. But that, that's, that's the gospel. Okay. I mean, that is, that is the gospel. I mean, it's, it's, that's why Zach, that's why Zach, we need to be, even once we're married, we can recommend to others, look, before you break that up and the kids start crying and the, the, the roof caves in because of this, this divorce, that's why we have, and we should train more, I think, marriage counselors that can sit down, men and women, and sit down and explain to people, help them before they make that, that fatal move to divorce. It's Divorce is not going to help it. Well, every time you get to every that was time Jesus is every time you get to the point of divorce, and trust me, Lisa and I've worked with a lot of couples. Someone or both have left the concept of Jesus far behind. That's right. Jesus gets left out of the picture when we get to that place, and that's why it seems like it provides relief. What we're saying is it doesn't. It only provides a new set of problems once you go to the next level. Because to, to Jace's point, you're bringing it with we you. We need to turn to people who are trained in that area, counseling. And he starts there. And it has to be there to take advice from people who are older. They've been married longer. When that was your Titus reference, right? That was a Titus I mean, reference. that's how you learn that. Go ahead, Zach. What were you oh, saying? Yeah, I, there's a, uh, I love what Jace just, how he ended that. Because I think that is what's missing. Because uh, what we've all heard, because we've all walked with a lot of people that have gone through divorce and and marriage issues, and some of us have had our own marriage issues, and you know, it's always the idea I married the wrong person. That's very common. Um, or God wants me to be happy. I mean, that's one you hear every time you talk with somebody who's going through this, and and it's like, whoa, what, like, what if, what if, what if our context is so small that we can't fathom something much bigger that God has planned for us? And I think that that description that you gave Jace at the end there of uh, which I would say is the description of intimacy. It's it's to be known in in your darkness, in your weakness, in your whatever your shortcomings and failings are to be known there and then affirmed there. And and I've thought this for a while, primarily because of that's the gospel, right? The gospel is not that God looks at you and says, oh, you're not that bad. No, it's actually you're much worse than you think you are. And I affirm you there while we were enemies of Christ. He died for us, Romans chapter five. And I was I, I'd always done ministry that way, or at least for the last 12, 13 years, 15 years. Um, and, and then one of my friends came in who we all, who we all know, who's a, 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 was a marriage and family therapist, uh, was trained in something called uh, systemic theory, but he had left that type of therapy and, and now is doing a new type of therapy that's called um, emotionally focused therapy. And so he's telling me about it and just the, the title of it sat wrong with me, but I was like, I was curious because he said, We've got, if we take high-risk couples, these are couples that are on the brink of divorce and they come into an intensive EFT uh, therapy session, which is like a, a a weekend intensive, and then it goes into follow-up sessions after that. He said, we're traditional, and I may be, I'm probably butchering the numbers here, but it's something like this, where traditional therapies have like maybe a an 8% success rate with these high-risk couples. He said, we're finding a 70 plus percent success rate. And I was like, wow, that's pretty impressive. What's the What's the secret to the sauce? And this is what he said. He said that the goal of, of emotionally focused therapy is to take the couple to their darkest shame and their darkest, like, like where, where they feel the most um, vulnerable and then to find affirmation in that place. And he said, there's a bond that's developed there when you can find affirmation from somebody in your, in your weakness that is virtually unbreakable. And I looked at him, I said, do you, you do realize that is the gospel? Like that God affirms us. He doesn't say it's okay to remain there, but I can be known at that point. Because if you think about most of anxiety and and the tr and things we're afraid of, we're afraid of being seen because if, if they see me for who I really am, they're going to reject me. 
Well, what if they see you for who you really are and accept you and affirm you and say, I love you there? That's that's the intimacy that is born in a marriage over a lifetime. And what we're doing is we're settling for some superficial thing that we had when we were 19 years old and we would stay up till three in the morning talking on the phone with us. And we're like, we are trying to recapture that. And I feel like God's like, there's so much more that you can't even fathom. And you're settling like C.S. Lewis said for the mud pies in the slum because you can't fathom a holiday by the sea. And I think what you described, Jace, was true intimacy. And I think that's what was so profound about that guy's well, Zach, response. Well, Zach, what you just described. We, hey, hang on, let's take a break. So we've got a, a new sponsor, Jace. It's called Established Titles. And it's kind of a fun and, and novel way to preserve natural woodlands of Scotland. It's a way to be able to, we, they plant trees mm-hmm. all around the world, not just Scotland, but all around the world. When you buy in on Established Titles, you can become a lord or a lady. Oh. The titles of Scotland. Uh, it's a it's a cool idea. It it kind of goes off historic Scottish custom where landowners are referred to as lairds or lords and ladies in English. You're basically buying a square foot of dedicated land with a unique plot number. Uh, it's on a private estate in Edelston, Scotland, and you get an official certificate with a crest. So it's a pretty cool idea. It's really just a good way to plant trees and take care of our planet as well. Um, It makes an amazing last-minute gift. Established Titles is actually running a massive Black Friday sale right now. Plus, if you use the code Phil, you get an additional 10% off. So go to establishedtitles.com slash Phil. Get your gifts now and help support the channel. What you just described is exactly what Lisa and I experienced. Our counselor, I didn't know the the theory she was using, but she used that exact thing, except she took it one step further. And she, with us in sessions, we went back to those dark places of shame, both for in, as individuals and as a couple. And, and her thing was she had us picture Jesus being there all along. We couldn't see him in that moment. But now we were able to go back through the lens of understand who Jesus is and see that he was there all along. Now we were just embracing him. So her, 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 the way she practiced that with us is we, we were able to see that even though we didn't practice it in the moment because we didn't see Jesus, now we can see that he's always been there. So it was, to your point, it, it really does come back to the gospel and what Jesus is and who he is in those darkest of moments. Go ahead, Jay, you were going to say something. No, I was just going to say, I think the problem with these marriages that start off based on feelings or, you know, I just want to be happy or that, what are you going to do when you don't feel like it? I mean, there's life is too hard for you to base this whole marriage on how you feel. And I think that's the biggest difference. And so when you get to the gender roles part, in Ephesians 5, getting to what Zach is saying, this is an opportunity to mirror, to mirror who God is. I mean, you think about what Jesus is. If we both have the opportunity, man and woman, to be Jesus to the other person, you say, well, how does that work? Well, just think about Ephesians 5, what he, what he laid out. Well, we know Jesus is Lord. He's king. He's the head of the church. And so when we see our role as husbands to to lead our wife. Well, you look at Jesus's life. What was his, what was his leadership like? He basically came to serve and to sacrifice himself. So you're like, Oh, that, that kind of authority, huh? Well then the wife and look, when I heard this marriage couple, a married couple do this seminar, she said, I realized that, If you ask someone, is Jesus as important as God and the Holy Spirit? Well, of course, they're they're equal importance. She said, but I found in submission, I found a text in Philippians 2 that says that he had a role to take to save the world. And he did it through submission. And what did he do? He became a human. It didn't mean he was less important. It didn't. And that was so people could know the real God. And she said, once I read that, I realized what an honor I have to be Jesus in this marriage in my role. 
And those two roles working together in Jesus, the same Jesus. And she said, whenever I'm tempted to say, hey, buddy, you're getting out of line. You know what I say? Remember, he came to serve and to sacrifice. As long as you're doing that, we're going to get along great. And she was kind of being over the top with it. But I think we we miss that when you just try to read that text and apply it to how you feel in a worldly environment. But just think about this from a three-dimensional look, not only does Jesus show in his relationship in the Godhead by doing what he did to submit by becoming human, he also introduced the diversity that Zach mentioned earlier to the Godhead. Now the Godhead can experience what it means to be a human being, to have physical intimacy, because a part of the Godhead became a human being. So in a sense, it also completed them in the sense that it brought something that they had never had before. They, they always had the, they were, there was no proximity for the God, right? Until God became a human being. And then all of a sudden the Godhead gets to experience something they had never experienced in all of eternity, what it was like to be a human being. That's why he loves us so much. We bring that to the table. Well, what's amazing to me is in the religious world, people generally get God's grace, right? You cannot function. You cannot live you cannot be who you who God wants you to be without God's grace. We should we always are constantly focusing on that. And these same people will get married and they don't view the grace that you have to extend toward each other as just as important. I mean, you're just thinking about that that the you're gonna mess up. We're flawed people. This is not gonna go go great but all of a sudden it's like when you look at the list on what people want for a marriage it's like well don't try to change me and and don't smother me and give me my space and you're gonna have to extend grace almost on a daily daily basis well it's just to reiterate too going back to the context we're talking about here is uh, mark 10 he said, man, you guys are like chasing a rabbit, but we're not chasing a rabbit because this is the argument that Jesus was making when he when he quotes out of he quotes out of Genesis chapter one. God made the male and female. And, and all, so all of this is rooted. He's rooting the argument in creation. Right. I mean, this is the thing that and I don't, I don't know that I know this is controversial. I don't know why it's controversial, but apparently it is. But like, I think it's controversial. I think I do know why. I think it's because of what you mentioned earlier, Jace. We we misunderstand the power dynamic that the, the Christ was bringing in the kingdom, and and what I mean by that is we hear a term like a term like submission, and immediately we're offended by that because we're like, whoa 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 I'm not submitting to anybody because that means that I'm that they got power over me, and 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 so it's automatically a bad thing when we hear the word submission. But then when we start to analyze who Christ was and his role in in the Godhead, and you say, okay, he submitted to his father, he submitted to death, even death on a cross, and you're like, wait a second, you start to see that there's a transcendent beauty in it, and you see the overflow. All of this is rooted back into who God is. And I was thinking about what we're trying to accomplish here is to build a picture of why and what Jesus is doing of, of the beauty of marriage. Like it's the and, and what he's saying to the Pharisees is, you've degraded this and you've turned it into a transaction. I sat in my house last night with a young girl who is six months sober. Um, I mean, a just beautiful inside and out, completely brilliant. I mean, this is incredible person. And we sat there with her till probably midnight. Uh, my wife and I, and and she's six months sober. She's pregnant uh, with her second child. Uh, she's um, it just it's a big story. I won't get into the whole story, but when you start to hear her story, she was raised um, by a mother and father who had a history of substance abuse. And I don't know what else was in and out of foster homes. Has, when her dad passed away, nobody was at his funeral except for her. And I, she's lived completely isolated life. And then she, now she's like, for the first time in my life, I've got community. And she's talking about Jill and I, my brother and his wife and some other people in our church. And, and she's just crying and she has these tears. And, and I thought, you know, a lot of this stuff that we think is attractive and the world tells us is good. When you see it played out to the end, it looks like loneliness and it looks like isolation. 
You know what? And God is offering us engagement. He's offering us an abil- uh, the, the, the potential to be in an environment where there's life, where you got cousins. Like, where, like Phil, you said at the beginning of this podcast, you said, I'm sitting here with my two sons or two of my sons and my nephew. If you would have told Kay to hit the road and you would have never repented for that, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. You'd be isolated off somewhere, but look at the lineage and the legacy and all of that that is beneath you now that was built because you submitted to the Holy Spirit and you found that with your wife. That's the beauty. And and I, it's we have to we can't sacrifice that for a temporary moment of ecstasy. You, you can't do I mean, like you can give you give your life to, to immorality. You give your life to pornography. And you think, what does it look like in the end? It looks like you're completely unengaged, aloof, distracted, alone, and numb. That doesn't that doesn't appeal to me. And 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 I think the Holy Spirit, what He's trying to teach us, and what Jesus is trying to teach us here, is that 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 is what this looks like in the end. But 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 what I designed for you is life and life abundantly. And yes, you may not fully comprehend what I'm trying to tell you because you haven't gone there yet. And I can't, you can't understand something you hadn't tasted yet, but it is that intimacy that Jace mentioned earlier. It's that, it's that being known in our weakness. It's that, it's that peace of mind. It's that, it's the, the, the grandkids and the kids and the kids around you and the legacy and the friends and the, and the connection and just the wholeness and the purity and the, it's good. It's uh, that, that's what it is. And the more you taste that, the more it makes those worldly passions diminish because you see them for what they really are, which is futile and fading. And that is the difference between a godly passion and a worldly passion. Worldly passions fade with time. Godly passions are built on God's glory. So they radiate from one degree to another, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And that's what we're we're selling here, not us. Well well said. Hang on. let's, Let's take a break. Well, I want to, I want to, I want to jump in there and say, uh, you know, to quote a famous philosopher, what happens is when we, we have this thrill of when we're dating or when we're right when we get married. And, uh, the philosopher was the thrill is gone at some <laughs> point. <laughs> is that you know King? you done me wrong yeah <laughs> and all King. i can do is wish you well you know to get out from under the spell or however those words go well, jace you quoted but, rose you quoted roseanne bar and bb king in the same podcast yeah. that's pretty impressive <laughs> yeah that's a wide so, array the reason i'm bringing that up because i'm going back to that when you've sensed that thrill, and y'all have seen this a thousand times, you don't have to read it in a book. This is life. What happens is you have a thrill when you're dating because someone thinks you're cool and it, it it's doing good for your ego. And so what happens? We get married and then the thrill is gone. And so we start looking, looking around because we're, we're chasing the thrill. You have to sing so you in the realize, blues. Sing in the blues. Sing in the blues. <laughs> so you see what happens, though. You, you, and I think I've narrowed this down to what the problem is. You haven't taken your relationship or your marriage beyond marketing and promotion. It, it never went past that. So, and, and what I say is you see this a thousand times when people get divorced or they get separated, what do they do? You start seeing women work out again. They're getting in shape. They're buying new clothes. You say, why are they doing that? We're back into marketing and, and promotion. We've, we've got to get the thrill and find somebody else. I'm to working say, on the new me. Yeah. <laughs> this is new. And look, so they get together. Then what happens? The thrill is gone. And so you say, what happened? Well, we're back to working out. Well, this is a, this is a, a wheel that's going to get more difficult to keep spinning because old age comes in and look, there comes a point, no matter how much working out you do and eating plastic right, surgery. I mean, things have just, they, they're just not gonna, it's just not going to work. I'm 76 years old and I'm your mother, Jace's mother, and Al, your mother. <laughs> My mother. And your aunt, Dash. Aunt Kay. Every day. I don't know about y'all's women. I'm just going to tell you about this one. Every <laughs> day. Oh, boy. Multiple times. That woman of mine, 
Your mother, Jace, your mother. <laughs> that woman says, I love you. I love you. I love you. All day long, she tells me that. I love you. I love you. And 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 it's your and Phil, you've you've talked about this like jokingly a lot, but you're like, boys at my age, we're just trying to get through the whole ordeal without somebody getting hurt, and yep. and we all laugh. But but it but but there, I see. I when you say that, I laugh, but I also it encourages me because you, you are, we have to come to the realization that our vitality is waning. I mean, it, it just is by the very nature of the law of entropy. Your love entropy over time. should grow. You, the older you get, it should right. grow. It should grow. Just yeah. keep going. Are you really? You're, you're, you're that's really why, well, that's what I was. That's what I was trying to say. That you got to base it on unselfishness, and your commitment, and that oath, and that promise you made, and that that that's the things that will last. I mean, when people make mistakes, your and your wife's going to make mistakes. When there's a problem, you you just you have in your mindset because it is based on a promise and an oath to God. That we're going to work this out. I'm, I'm going to do what I can to lead my family, to lead my wife, to be a better husband. When you mess up, you're honest. And so, you know, I've had my wife say that before to me, and rightfully so, say we're past the marketing stage. You know, you, you don't have to always have your best image of yourself, which is the problem. So what when you throw in social media to our society Everybody's given a version of themselves that's not realistic. It's all about marketing and promotion. And when you get together for any length of time, this whole thing explodes. Look, just like it did in the garden. You say, what happened when selfishness and sin entered the camp? What did they do? They started pointing at each other, blaming each other, and then they realized they were shameful Doubt. and they were trying to cover up. What had just happened? Well, that same thing has repeated itself since the beginning of time. No, which is the ess which is the essence of sin is is the covering up. That that's that's the deal, right? So you're covering up your fig leaf. I got a fig leaf that I'm going to cover up my nakedness. That that's that is the essence of sin is, is to cover up your your nakedness and to not be known. I don't want you to see me because if you see me, you'll make fun of me. You know what that's it, called, Zach? Marketing and promotion. It's marketing and promotion. And Zach, I, it's I, more than just the physical. That's also, that was emotional and spiritual as well. All those covers, and that's where the shame comes from. Hang on, let's take well, a that's break. A, yeah. Hang on, let's take a break. Because it's... Yeah, because the because the fig leaf is a metaphor, just just like the when God came in and slayed the animal and, and made them a more durable covering. It's a metaphor. It's all those are metaphors for the big reality of what we do and how we cover. And I think that you know when when you consider the nature of 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 our position in humanity, I mean, I think you can pragmatically ask yourself the question, you know, how is this working out for you? I think that's a good question to ask, and, I, and and it's not working out for us. So when we return back to Matthew chapter 10, and we had this encounter going on with the Pharisees and Jesus, really, I think what the core of what Jesus is getting at is that, is the, I mean, she said, what's the, what's the, if you summed it all up, just sum up the whole point that he's making here about marriage. What is the point? I think this is the point. The point of your marriage is to glorify God. First and foremost, before anything else, that's if you want a healthy marriage, if you want a fulfilling marriage, then I would say then marriage cannot become the idol. God is the end of it. And you have to align in that way. So you go. But if you get your if you get your marital advice from movies, which is funny, because last night I told that young lady, I said, you need you and your husband. Y'all need to get around godly people that have wisdom that you trust. Because you don't under you don't know all. There's a ton of you have the intelligence to do it and the self introspection to do it, but you don't have the tools because you just don't know. And you need that. And I said, where do you, where have you been getting your tools from? And you, you know what she said? Movies. Ooh. <laughs> the, rom, and I was like, rom coms. <laughs> yeah, rom coms. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> the, okay, yeah, the so great that's, theology. That, that's a bad idea. <laughs> so, that's a bad idea because you because you end up like uh, that movie Jerry Maguire. Whenever oh, there's yeah. an incredible thing, but it's like, what well, you complete me, yeah. and I'm like, no, no. <laughs> that's that that's ain't shallow. gonna work. That's, said, that's that's, a, it's not gonna work. No. You know, it's like it's not because it's not based in reality, and it's self, it's self inward consumptive. It's not what God had designed. And I think when He gets to this thing in Mark ten, 
And he and that is a big, 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 big verse, and he quotes it. But from the beginning, he reads the entire thing. He says, no, 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 from the beginning, from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Genesis one twenty seven. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother. Which now he's shifted the there to chapter 2. Go ahead, Zach. Yeah, he's in chapter 2 in that one, chapter 2, 20, uh, verse 24. Correct. And, and the two shall become one flesh, so that they are uh, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. What Therefore, God has joined together. Let no man separate. I mean, there is everything we've been talking about in this podcast and the last one. And you're thinking, man, how did y'all go on a rabbit? It's not a rabbit trail. That What we just read encompasses everything we've said and more than we could ever say in all of our podcasts. There is so much depth and beauty and meaning there that that's where God points it to. I love it. So you use the word beauty, and and the word I use for that text you just described is gift. This was, marriage was, in my opinion, one of the greatest gifts that God ever gave to humanity. And when you think about it, this was for all of humanity. Marriage predates Judaism. It predates Christianity. it It predates any of the world's religions. It was a gift. The very first man, the very first woman, became the very first husband, the very first wife. And so what you just described, Zach, is a foundation for humanity. And that's why he has the idea of uniqueness there. Leave your father and mother. The way I describe when I do a wedding, I say we're witnessing the birth of a brand new family. Just like when a baby is born and it's a joyous occasion, when two people make a decision to come together for life, it's the birth of a new family, a unique family. And Zach, I was there. I did your wedding and participated. What I witnessed that day was the birth of you and Jill. And now I look at the fruit that has come from that. That's a beautiful thing. And the unity that comes out of that, and that's not just physical, that's spiritual and emotional unity. So, I mean, I think that marriage is such a beautiful gift. I love it. And you're right, Zach, it is Jesus' point because the Pharisees have come in and taken such a beautiful thing and and tried to use it as a trap for Jesus because of sinful men and women, but especially men that wanted to just get rid of their wives and sleep with whoever they wanted to. It's really a stain when you look at it. And I think it's one of the reasons why he gives them and goes back to the beginning. Now I know why the, the doctor, Dr. Sampanero up here recommended that Miss Kay take a certain shot once a month. And she said, he said, tell Phil he can do it. He can give you a shot. Oh, boy. So Miss Kay said she brought the needle home. She said, so he, I need to take this shot once a month. Al, it's almost like when I get there, got my little alcohol, you know, I said, let me see that upper leg there, you know. <laughs> and and Miss Kaysia, you know, she puts her leg up there, you know. I, I take a little alcohol, Bobby, yeah. and I get a needle. But it's almost when I give her that shot, so that's the only thing, keep her alive for a few years. It's almost like sticking the needle in me. I mean, I, mm. I, I'm i like. Because you're one flesh. One flesh. I, I, I didn't realize that till this little conversation we've had. And I just say, let me clean this little spot off here. And I just give her a shot, you know, click, you know, wait about 10 seconds. You know, the shot's over, throw it in the trash, and life goes on. But it's, so what it's you're my saying, old woman. It's like sticking me. I, I don't know what you call it. Because you know it's painful, although it's needed. Yeah. But then that's part of what you share together. That's yep. a pretty good illustration right there. Yep. That's exactly what brings that out. That's oneness. I'm just preparing some of you younger books, <laughs> what you might get into on your marriage journey. Yeah. Well, I think well, I, I think he was he was going back to a fundamental principle that right before the marriage occurred, he said it's not good for man to be alone. And I think the picture of marriage gives us a picture of how God is unified, as in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then later he would give us a picture of how we could be married not only to, you know, an individual for life, which would become a great foundation for any functioning society. You just think about, you take out all the married couples for life out of society and, and let me know, is it going to be better or worse? Uh But it also then gives you a picture that we could be married to Christ because we're created in the image of God. And he's the one that gave us that picture. And, you know, there's a lot of pleasure in marriage. I mean, we hadn't talked much about that, but, you know, and sex is pleasurable. It was his idea. And that's how we pro 
create. I mean, Chase, what's if, amazing if people is didn't our, do that. Yeah. Our, our culture, our culture says don't marry that way. You won't have to kill your children. That's one of, one of the things I hear people saying, don't get married because you like to kill your children. Yeah, it is interesting that the that the limitations seem to come from unlikely sources. That it, it, it a lot of times the limitation actually comes from the people who are are po- promising freedom. And uh, I think it reminds me of that verse uh, that says that they promised them freedom while they themselves are slaves to depravity. And and I think that's I think the idea that freedom is linked to um, not having boundaries is just it's just not that's not reality. To Jace's point, uh, that was a, actually I meant to comment on that earlier. That that analogy that you gave of the fire is 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 what I think the the psalmist meant when we thank God for our boundaries. I love fires. That's a great point. I had one in my fireplace last night and in my fire pit outside because we had a huge Halloween party at the place I live at. So uh, this place goes berserk for Halloween, so we had Halloween party and we had the, and I love it. I love a good fire as long as it stays within the boundary of the fireplace. If it gets out of that boundary, that thing that's so wonderful and has brought so much peace and warmth to our life and those nights by the fire, that becomes something that, is, that, that will consume your entire family. My dad, whose house burned down uh, when he was a kid, is still, I mean, he, he still has an issue with, with fires inside the house because one took his entire house because it got outside the boundaries. So I, I love that. I think that because what happens is, in the church, sometimes what we do is, you know, we, we, we see something that's a threat. And so we just, uh, no, none of that whatsoever. You can't have any of that. That's all bad. Well, why? Because someone abused it over here. Well, no, that's that all things are meant for God's glory. I think the proper way to view things in, is that the it, things within inside their boundary are good as God made them to be used, such as our sexuality. And I think what, what that offers us is a true vision of uh, of true liberty, and it's not oppressive, and there's an outlet for it. It's just an outlet that that it has to be uh, used in the purpose or the intent that it was designed for. Yeah, which and when we do that, it's that's when we experience wholeness. Yeah, which is wholeness. which is was really his point. So we're out of time. Um, I'm going to make an announcement, Jason. Unlike you, I'm actually going to announce my announcement. Um, so in anticipation of this uh, podcast being so rich, which I knew it would be, uh, this talk about marriage. For the next podcast, I think the one thing we've lacked, which I have now arranged for the next podcast, is we need to hear from a female perspective uh, about this topic of marriage that we've been talking about. So Miss Kay and Missy and Lisa are going to be joining us on the next podcast, which I'm super excited about. And so we're going to talk about this very thing. Second thing I'll announce is that during the overtime, Zach tried to, to you sneaky early in the podcast. He dropped this teleology on us, which now replaces eschatology. And so in the overtime, I have looked this up. And so I want to get into this concept and Zach in his in his vocabulary. I'm still waiting for Zach to use it in a sentence. All right. So we're going to hold that. We're going to do that in the overtime. If you want to follow us over at, bla- at blazetv.com slash unashamed. Uh, right now, there's a promotion. You get $10 off if you use the promo code Phil, and that also exposes you to everything uh, that Blaze has on their website. So it's blazetv.com slash unashamed. We'll see you in overtime. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube, and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, Subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.